This morning's scripture comes from the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 15. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for all these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not be enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people to sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the 5,000 barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. So I mentioned earlier that we were going to hear what I think of as a classic. This is just a classic Bible story. In fact, given that this is the one, the one miracle story that is told in every one of the Gospels, I might even be tempted to say that it was an instant classic, right from the very start. I say this because we know that the Gospels were written by different people who were from different Christian communities, and these communities each would have had different pieces of the Jesus story that they held near and dear and which they handed down orally before the gospel writers ever wrote it down. The story then was important for each one of these communities and for each of these authors, and so it was captured for posterity by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and as we heard this morning, John. This classic story opens with Jesus and his disciples going up the mountain together after making a trip across the Sea of Galilee. Once seated with his disciples, Jesus sees this crowd approaching and he recognizes in them a physical need, the need to be fed. Don't miss this. He sees that they are physically hungry, and he takes measures to address that need. We cannot hear anything when our bellies are empty, can we? 
The gospel story gives no indication that Jesus went before that crowd to teach them or that he went among them to heal them, but simply that he went to deal with that hunger. So Jesus first turns to Philip and asks him, where can we go to buy bread for all of these people? Now Philip, Philip is a man after my own heart, an accountant's heart. Philip doesn't just look at the size of the crowd and give Jesus a, you cannot be serious, response. Philip carefully estimates the number of people in the crowd, and he multiplies that by the cost of a small snack at the prices at the most, most uh, convenient town to where they're at, and he comes up with a real, concrete, reasoned estimate. Even if we had six months' wages which we don't, by the way, we would not be able to give these people enough to satisfy them. Now, Andrew, Andrew, meanwhile, he either heard Jesus ask that question or he went out on his own initiative into the crowd to see what was available. He returns and he offers food that that one young boy had given up, five loaves and two fish. He brought what he found only thing that was offered, and he brings it to Jesus. See, Andrew knows that he has seen wonderful things before done by Jesus. So why not lay at his feet what is available and see what he does? But even Andrew says, this is just a drop in the bucket of what is needed here today. Jesus' interactions with these two disciples, I think, give us an opportunity to ask, who are we more like in our Christian walk? Are we Philip, hyper-practical, and as a result, pessimistic, and maybe a little cut off from the possibility of miracles? Or are we like Andrew, Maybe he is also a little bit pessimistic, but at least he's open to wonderful possibilities by offering up whatever it is that is available to Jesus, even if it seems small and unable to fully do the job at hand. Which are you? Jesus says to them, have the people sit down. Just, just imagine that. There's 5,000 people buzzing around, crowded around, hungry, searching, and then those 5,000 people settle down. They sit down and they focus on Jesus. Jesus takes the loaves and distributes them to the people after he gives thanks to God for them. In the Gospel of John, Jesus is the host of this huge common meal. He is the one who distributes to all and after handing out the bread, he does the same thing with the fish. He distributes it to the crowd. To each person, he gives a portion of bread. To each person, he gives a portion of fish. And when everyone there is satisfied, their hunger banished, he tells the disciples to do a strange thing so that nothing will be lost, gather up the fragments. They gather up the fragments, 
And as wonderful as it was that all of those people were fed with five loaves and two fish, a wonderful overage has occurred. Twelve baskets of fragments from the five loaves are gathered so that nothing will be lost, so that nothing here will be missed, so that you won't miss what happened. It's not about making sure the leftovers are stored for another day. This is a classic Bible story, a story of wonderful acts, a miracle. This is a story that the people who first heard it told would not have struggled to accept. But many of us find ourselves living in a day and age where we are not likely to believe stories like this the way that we hear them. We think it would be gullible and crazy to believe things like this. We are skeptical that anything like this could have ever happened, at least in the way that the story is written. So we, the great thinkers that we are with our superior modern intellects, we start to explain away the extraordinary, the wonderful. We start to take what happened and make it ordinary. Instead of seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary, like this meal on a hillside by the sea, we turn it into something else altogether. Here's one way that we do it. We say things like, oh, you know, in the Bible, numbers don't mean the same thing that they mean if we would use a number in a story today. Numbers are symbols for things. 5,000 doesn't mean that there were actually 5,000 people there that day. 5,000 is just a way to say that everyone was included. And come on, 12 baskets of leftovers? We know how important the number 12 is in the Bible. 12 tribes, 12 disciples. These numbers don't really mean what they say. But even if we give the authors of the Gospels the benefit of the doubt on the numbers, we concoct explanations like this one. Are we really supposed to believe that out of all those people there that day, only one young boy brought his lunch with him? Right. One boy was the only one with food. He may have been the only one who gave his food for the rest of the people, but don't you know that when all of those people watched Jesus bless that little meal and when they saw that he was going to distribute it to everyone, you know they got their own food out? The real miracle here is that Jesus turned a bunch of stingy people into people who would share. Why do we do that? Why would we do that? Why can't we just believe that he did exactly what the scripture says he did? Maybe our great modern minds need a little more practice at believing the impossible. At seeing the fullness of the wonder of God. At being a wonder-filled people. Wonderful people. Let me put it this way. If we can't believe in the wonder of this miracle on the seaside, how can we believe the rest of what we believe? 
If we believe that Jesus was God incarnate, that he walked on earth, showed us how to live and love and serve each other, that he died on a cross, that he was resurrected and that through him we have eternal life, if we believe that, why can't we believe that Jesus, the creator in human form, multiplied bread and fish to feed a multitude of people? We need to get lost in the wonder of it all. All of it. All of Jesus' life and ministry. Not just the big climax at the end, not just the cross and salvation for all. Get lost in the wonder. Believe what the whole of this wonderful story tells us. Maybe if we did, we would be more like Andrew than Philip, searching for possibilities instead of making excuses. Maybe if we did, we would not be so stingy with the gospel story. Maybe if we got more lost in the wonder of Jesus' life and story, our own lives and stories would be more joyful, more tranquil, more loving. The people there that day believed. And as the scripture says, they saw this and everything else they had seen Jesus do, they saw it as a sign. What do we see in this story? We see a sign? Or do we see a tall tale ready to be debunked and explained away? Now, some of you with eagle eyes this morning may have noticed that we have communion elements here on the altar this morning. And if you noticed, you, you may have thought, it's not communion Sunday. That's true. Next week is communion Sunday. But I wanted these elements available to each of you this morning for a reason. Did you know that John does not share the story of the Last Supper in his gospel? Not in the same way that the other gospels do anyway. Not with bread and wine. John's focus when he tells that story is on Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And some people would say then that John is not a very sacramental gospel because he doesn't mention the story that is at the heart of Holy Communion. But I don't agree with that assessment. Every one of the gospels tells the story of bread and fish and thousands fed. This story clearly resonated after Jesus was gone. They told this story in every community of faith. They saw in this story Jesus serving a meal to everyone who would have a bite. A real meal. Not just spiritual bread, but physical bread. They saw in this story and in every story of Jesus having a meal with his followers, a story of God with us. You see, it 
wasn't just what Jesus did at his last meal with bread and wine that was special to the believers. What Jesus did at every meal that he shared with people was special. Jesus shared many meals with his followers, both before and after his death and resurrection. Meals with sinners around a table in a private home with a crowd on a hillside, with those disciples in an upper room, with two men who had walked the road to Emmaus with the risen Jesus but did not recognize him until he broke bread with them, and with the disciples beside a fire on the shores of the sea. Jesus can be remembered in all of these ways whenever the gathered community of faith takes bread, gives thanks, and shares it. We should remember all of these ways that Jesus ate with people, fed people, nourished people when we share communion because he is still doing it today. He is still here with us. He is still feeding us, nourishing us, And isn't that wonderful? Just as Jesus did that day on the seashore, he invites us all to partake in this meal. Everyone who wants to be fed. And the meal that he provides will never be fully consumed. There will always be something left for those who do not choose to eat today. There will always be more room on the hillside. There will always be more bread for those who will just hold out their hand and receive. Isn't that wonderful? So I invite you to come this morning during our closing song and take the bread and the cup. I invite you to be fed and I invite you to remember all of the wonderful story of Jesus, not just the story of a last supper in the shadow of a cross. I invite you then to take this and the fullness of Jesus' wonderful story with you into the world in all that you do, in the name of God, for the love of neighbor, as you are strengthened, empowered, and equipped by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Merciful Father, we are so in awe of you and everything that you are, all that you have created, all that you have done, the way that you laid yourself down for the love of little old us. We thank you for this wonderful story. And Lord, we ask now that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on all of us gathered here today and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be to the world the wonderful body of Christ redeemed by your wonderful blood. All of this we pray and give thanks to you for in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.